Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Obsidian Achievement. This is your host, Michael Russin. Thank you for joining me. I gotta tell you, I'm feeling slow today. I don't know what it is. I'm like very, uh, I feel like my, uh, my blood is molasses and my bones are denser. My muscles are tight. What are the quality of the sleep? So when we were in the lake house in New York, my wife sleeps upstairs in my little sister's old room uh, with Ada. And I sleep downstairs in the den on the twin bed. Because we ain't fitting. I could barely fit on that twin bed myself. So I don't know if it's the quality of sleep I'm getting. Or what? But I, or maybe it's just because I'm in a lake town. You know what I mean? I think that's what it is. <clears throat> I think the lake town, the lake air slows me down a little bit. Like I was almost like not going to do a podcast episode. I'm like, why wouldn't I do? Why would I not do a podcast episode? That's ridiculous. So here we are. I'm chugging my rain because I don't have bangs anywhere around here. <clears throat> and we're going to get it done. Um, e plus R equals L. I got two lessons today. E plus R equals L. And in the multitude of counselors, there is... Uh, in the multitude... Yes, in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. So... E plus R equals L is something we've talked about before that event plus response equals outcome and you're going to have events happen to you in your life both good and bad you're going to have very positive experiences that you must control your resu or, uh, response to and you're going to have negative experiences that you have to control your response to as well and I've had my fair share of both. And what I've realized is you can take... So there's different types of events. You know, there's things that are completely out of our control. Like, you know, it's you know natural disasters, death, illnesses, accidents. You know, there's a lot of different crazy stuff that can happen that's like you can't predict it. And there's nothing you can do about it but control your response, right? You know, you lose a loved one, you can no control over that. You could allow it to embitter you and make you into a nasty person, or you could allow it to make you a better person and more empathetic, right? And then we have the types of events that are kind of like consequences, both good and bad. Consequences has a negative connotation that are outcomes of decisions that we've made, right? So... If I decide to put off, just for example, registering my vehicle, you know, we got two brand, I got uh, Geneva, uh, a Yukon Denali, and I got myself a brand new giant <laughs> diesel truck. And uh, if I decide not to register that vehicle, I could get pulled over and I could get a really hefty fine in the state of Maine, right? Well, I could choose to respond certain ways. You know what I mean? I could go pay the fine, get the vehicle registered. And I could go 
not pay the fine, not get the vehicle registered, get a bench warrant, blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of like a small example. But there are a lot of people that put things off and then something bad happens and they put that off and it just gets worse. Uh, I see young people do this a lot. They think that avoiding it will just make the problem go away. So we have those types of events. And then we have the events where other people do things to us, right? And I've recently had a series of events of other people doing things to me. And I've had to decide, you know, what the response to these things are going to be. And it's been a very dis difficult decision-making process because there's a lot of different there's a lot of different things. It's kind of like those books where it's like, you know, those books where it's like, all right, if you think that Johnny should explore the cave, go to page fifty-two. If you think Johnny should find a route around the cave, go to page seventy-eight. If you think Johnny should turn around and go back, go to page 22. You know what I mean? Those books, you ever read one of those? I think those are cool. I think those are like cool. I'm going to have my daughter read a lot of those books because I think it's a really cool way to teach decision making, right? And, you know, I, I've been Johnny recently where it's like, all right, do I go through the cave? Do I turn and go back? Do I try to find a different route, right? And what I've found is that when it comes to controlling your response um, to things, number one, always allow the... I'm giving you guys such a valuable lesson this morning. I feel very inspired right now. That number one, you must always... Um, you must always allow for the passage of time. You know, I'm a very reactionary person. I've always been reactionary. And in a lot of ways, historically, it's um, damaged relationships for me. Um, and it's, uh, I've done things that I regret. You know, I've hurt people's feelings by lashing out in anger and all, all this other stuff. So I find that when you make decisions rashly, <clears throat> you know, when your response in the E plus R equals O, um, when you make R response rashly R, <laughs> you have typically an undesirable outcome or an outcome that's not optimal, right? Like I think now all of my decisions are what is optimal in the long term, right? What is the most optimal decision to make in the long term? So I try to think of things strategically, right? So number one, you allow for the passage of time, okay? And I'm talking about when other people do things to you, right? So number one, you allow for the passage of time. Number two, um, you have to think strategically in terms of what maybe does this party want to see? What does this person want to see? You know, like let's say you go through a really nasty breakup, right? And your girlfriend goes on Instagram and posts a bunch of texts of you, like very private texts between you and your girlfriend, right? Ex-girlfriend. Like where you've shared vulnerable feelings and things like that. What's that girl trying to get out of you? <clears throat> a reaction, right? So if you give them what they want, 
number one, you're going down to her level. You're getting in the muck with her. And number two, uh, you're opening yourself up to a lot of different other attacks. In other words, you just when you bring yourself down to somebody else's level and you give them the reaction that they're seeking, in a lot of different ways they've, they've won that battle, so to speak, and could possibly win the war. So you have to think strategically. And allowing the passage of time to happen and not reacting rashly or quickly or in anger, I think that's the biggest thing is that you should never react to a situation in anger, no matter how justifiable that anger might be. Because a lot of times you may be very just, you know, if your girlfriend, ex-girlfriend goes online and posts all your text messages and pictures of you and stuff like that, and you being emotional during the breakup process and calling you a, a bitch and all this stuff online, right? Look at this man, he's all, he's crying to me and it's tech, you know what I mean? Um, and you give that person a reaction and you react angrily, that's exactly what they want. So you have to allow for the passage of time to occur. Whether that's a couple hours, a couple days, it's usually a couple days or a couple of weeks because what you'll find is that when that anger subsides, you're going to have clarity. It's like I'm driving right now, I'm driving, it's been very foggy here on the lake today. And the fog now is starting to lift. So when I first got on the road, I could only see maybe 10 to 15 feet in front of me. Now I could see about 300 yards in front of me. So I have more clarity. That's what anger is like. Anger is like driving in the fog. And you don't know what you're driving towards. And if you stomp the accelerator, you might wrap yourself around a telephone pole. You might drive over a cliff. might drive through somebody's house or into another car. You never know what's going to be on the other side of that fog. So it's usually a good idea to park the car and let the fog pass, right? Or proceed very slowly. So you have to allow for the passage of time. You have to think strategically. And then bringing me to the other point I wanted to talk about is there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So what I find that I'm confronted with a situation that is demanding a reaction from me. Um, I have a core group of, I'd say, six people, six, seven people that I will call upon and, hey, listen, here's the situation. What would you do if you were in my shoes? Well, how do you think I should react to this? And it's interesting is that a lot of times we want our people to say something. We want our people that we trust and confide in to just, and this is how you know if you have good friends. A not so good friend will get emotionally excitable with you, fire you up, and cause you to act out, right? They want to see that reaction. They secretly love that drama, right? But a really good friend and the types of friends that I have are the types of friends that say, okay, hold on. I could understand how you feel. I can understand your anger, but have you considered these possibilities? And I'm very lucky and very blessed to have such a good, loyal, strong, level-headed, godlike, wise support system in my life. I really am. I'm I'm truly blessed uh, to be surrounded by friends, 
business partners, mentors, uh, and parents that are very level-headed, wise, rational, pragmatic people. And um, I'm just very, very blessed. I'm very thankful for the people that I have in my life. So you're you you have in that. You know, because that's that's a proverb that I'm pulling that from. In the multitude of counselors, there's there's wisdom, and it talks about you don't go to war without first seeking counsel, right? <clears throat> like if I was a Roman emperor, you know, I got a whole I don't know I don't know, the consul or whatever. You got like basically a board of directors. Let's call it. That's like before we go to war, let's look at all the possible strategies, outcomes, etc. Because. A lot of warfare is deception. I can't remember. I think it was the Bison. I think it was at the beginning of the Byzantine Empire. Uh, the Mongols uh, were threatening the Byzantine, a part of the Byzantine Empire, and the Byzantine Empire ended up being one of the. It's, it's very overlooked in history books, and I could talk about the reason why, but we won't because my podcast will get canceled immediately because you just don't talk about a certain group of people unless you're really. <laughs> Ready to put it all out on the line, but the the Byzantine Empire is is really glazed over uh, many many times in historical studies, at least traditional you know public education forums. Um, the Byzantine Empire was probably one of the more formidable and successful uh, empires in human history, right up there with the Roman Empire. But some you know we talk about Rome way more <clears throat> than we talk about the Byzantine Empire. But anyways, so. There's a story of the Mongols were beaten at the gates, basically, of this section of the Byzantinian Empire. And the, and the ruler said, let's send a convoy and pick up a few of their messengers, right, and take them to the capital. So what he did was this ruler had the, this convoy go out and pick a couple of uh, Mongol emissaries up. And he took them, he had them, instead of taking a direct route to the capital... He had the convoy weave them through the longest route possible, and he had very well armed. And number that's so weird, it paused at the same place on that hill. That it did yesterday. So I don't even know where I left off. This, this thing's stupid, man. I just cannot be connected to the Bluetooth in here until I figure this out. But what I was saying is I, is I want you to think about these decision-making strategies. And I think the part where it cut out was when I started to talk about taking an audit of your circle. You know, this is something that we've talked about very, very frequently. That you should take an audit of your circle and the types of people that you actually get advice from. What is the degree? What's the pedigree? What is the what are the merits of the people in your life that you're getting advice from? <clears throat> Cuz a lot of times people get advice from losers. And you make loser decisions. But you know, it's just decision making is such a complex is such a complex it's like that book that I had mentioned, you know, go to page 52 and then there's another, you know, you got to go to, okay, now you can either go to page 101 or page 124. You know what I mean? Like that's life. And depending on the decisions that you make, you lead yourself 
It's like being at the base of a tree and picking a branch to crawl up into. You know what I mean? So many different branches. So many different directions that you can head. All of them with completely different outcomes, right? So learning how to make decisions properly is a very... It's a critical skill for everybody listening to my everybody in the world. And, you know... <clears throat> Naval Ravikant talks about this in his book that the most, the highest paid uh, people on the planet are good decision makers. Because what you have to understand is that if I'm like, if I were trading a billion dollar account, and what's 5% of a billion? 50 million, right? <clears throat> if I'm trading a, a billion dollar account and I'm 5% more accurate, than the other guy who's trading the other billion dollar account for a company. That's another $50 million worth worth of accuracy. You guys see what I'm saying? The 5% might not seem like that big of a deal, but when you're dealing in the, the hugeness of life, 5% can be life or death, essentially. So cultivating good decision-making skills is, is a critical tool that you need to add to your arsenal. So that's all I got for you guys today. Hopefully this was a helpful episode. Love you guys. Let's